What is up, everybody? I just want to say welcome to all of the listeners from all over the country and all over the world. My name is Ethan, Ethan Wise, and I'm going to be your host for the day, for this episode. And I'm really excited to have you here. I'm really excited that you're tuning in. Um, I feel like this episode is going to be great. Um, it's really going to like give some understanding and just open uh, open eyes and open ears and um, and help you guys. And I'm really excited for it. If you didn't know or couldn't tell by the title, I think I'm going to call this one a better covenant. Um, but what I'm what I'm going to be talking about today is is the difference between the, the old covenant, which is the Mosaic covenant, and the new covenant. And um, honestly, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. Um, ma- mainly, I think it's so um, misunderstood. And this was something that that I had misunderstood for so long. Like, you just kind of see God acting a little different in the old covenant than he does in the new covenant. Um and it's like, it's so easy to start to ask like a bunch of questions like, well, why, why was God like this in the old covenant? But why is he different in the new covenant? Um, there's just a lot to get into. Um, and I'm very excited. So basically breaking it down uh, as easy as possible. When God made the covenant with Israel, the old covenant, I'm, I'm going to call it the performance plan. All right. So that the old covenant was was basically an agreement between God and his people with the Israelites that they were going to get rewarded for doing good things. But God was going to punish them for doing bad things. Okay, so that's foundational old covenant. Do good, get good, do bad, get bad. All right. Now. It's almost the, this is actually engraved into our hearts. Like from the moment we're born, it's like, it's like we know these. It's act, the Bible actually calls it the elementary principles of the world um, that you get rewarded for doing good things. Obviously, if you go, to, you go to your job, you do your work, you come back with a paycheck, foundational. You go to school, you do your homework, you take your test, you do good on the test, you get a good grade. Do good, get good. Do bad, you flunk a test, guess what? You get an F. You get a bad grade. Do bad, get bad. We're we're raised with this, and it's it's engraved into this world. Um, just that system, that performance plan, okay. And um, and honestly, like for like think about that. That's for thousands of years. Humans were were on track of this, like from from Adam up until Jesus. All people were were under the same covenant, under the same, um, like the same plan, the same performance plan, and so they they had this engraved into them, which is why Jesus had to come, and every time, whenever he would say something to Israel, so uh, okay, let me back up. I said that. The, all people were under the covenant, and that's not true. The covenant was made between God and Moses. Uh, Moses was the the testator of of for Israel, so it was between God and Israel. Um, though the Bible does say that you're an Israelite of the heart and not by your actions, um, but we will save that for another episode. Um, but God with with the Israelites, like they they. 
basically they asked the Lord to, to give them a list of rules to follow. And so what God did was he, he, he fulfilled their request. And they basically asked the Lord, we want you to punish us for doing bad, but to reward us for doing good. And then they said, all of the things that you've given us, we can do it. And God's in, God did not want them to do it. He actually was like was giving it to them so that they wouldn't choose the law. But, but inevitably, like they did choose the law. And so that's what brought um, that covenant for thousands and thousands of years, which is crazy. So uh, just so that was just a little foundation, the old covenant performance plan and then you have the new covenant which the new covenant has zero to do with what you are doing um it has everything 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 to do with what jesus has already done and i used to listen to preachers that would make fun of people who said that they'd be like oh well how many of you know like they would make fun of it saying how many of you know it's not about what we do it's about what jesus has done and then he said, and then he makes fun of it, like that it's the most absurd thing he's ever heard. And like, of course, what we do matters. But like, just because somebody makes fun of something doesn't necessarily mean that what like that the opposite's true. Most people are very quick to dismiss what they don't understand, um, which I mean, it's just human nature. There's actually a thing. It's called the law of first mention that the first thing somebody hears is like a hundred percent of the time automatically what they believe and they have to be convinced out of it. All right. And so that's, that is why when Jesus went around to Israel, because they were under an old, a different covenant, one that didn't match God's heart, but was what something that they asked for. Jesus would, would the first thing he would tell Israel, was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. All right. Now I'm sure you've you might have seen a poster on the side of a highway or um, even on an Instagram post or a Facebook post like repent or you're going to hell or repent and believe in Jesus. But th- that context, they completely misunderstand what the word repent means. All right, the word repent come, is the Greek word metanoia. And the word, and it's these two words combined, to, our two roots combined together. Meta means higher, and noia is your, your thought process or your thinking. So when Jesus was telling Israelites, repent, you notice he never says it to the adulterers, the tax collectors, the sinners. He never tells the sinners. Um, though, yeah, we're all sinners, but I'm just saying the worst of the worst, like he never tells murderers repent. He never told the adulterer to repent. He, he told the Israelites to repent. Why? He was telling them meta noye. You need to have a higher way of thinking because the, like the Bible says that the new covenant is higher or better than the old covenant in the only way to fall from the new covenant, which if you can fall from something into something else, that means that you are at a higher height than you are afterwards. So if you can fall from the new covenant 
into the old covenant, then that would mean that one is higher than the other one. All right. So that's why Jesus would go around and he would say, repent. He would tell the Israelites that they needed to have a higher form of thinking. Why? Because for 4,000 years, a little bit longer, but around 4,000 years, like they had constantly been hearing this message of do good, get good, do bad, get bad. And because they were hearing that every time they went to a synagogue, that was their, their practice. And for generations upon generations upon generations, that's all that they heard. It was going to take a higher, an un, an unnormal, whatever the, uh, a better word for that is. I'm <laughs> sorry, but it was going to take a different type of thinking for them to actually receive what God was trying to bring through Jesus. See, the Bible says that Moses brought or gave us the law. You notice it's never called the law of God. It's always called the law of Moses. Why? Because it was brought to us from Moses. Actually not brought, but it was given to us from Moses. However, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. The, the, through, the, uh, through Moses was given the law, but grace and truth came through Jesus. And I just want to make a quick note. Do you notice that truth is on the side of grace and not the side of the law? So you can actually find the truth of God in grace. You don't find the truth of God in the law. And if you're like me, You've read the Old Testament. You've seen people die from like crazy things. You see sinners get punished. You've seen or you uh, saw the stories about fire getting called down from heaven and devouring people. You saw the uh, just just all these crazy things, which makes us like question the character of God. Let me tell you something: the truth of God. His integrity, his character is found in grace. It's not found in the law. It's not found in the old covenant. So we can, act, we can read the old covenant and see God do things. You wonder why he does it? It's because he was under a new, a different, not a new covenant, the old covenant, a different covenant that was contrary to his character. What that means is he did stuff that he didn't want to do. Because, why? Why wouldn't he just stop? Well, because he does not break his covenants. He cannot break his promises. He cannot break his word. So if he says, okay, Israel, I'm going to punish you when you do bad, and I'm going to reward you for doing good. But the Bible says that no one is good, no, not one. That means Jesus or God had to punish us for sins. Because why? That was the covenant he was bound to. However, Praise the Lord for Jesus. We have been, that covenant has been washed away, removed, disintegrated um, through the death of Christ. And now we are under 100% the grace of God, where we're no longer punished for our sins. We're and not just, we're not rewarded for our good behavior, but hallelujah, we're rewarded for Jesus' good behavior. He fulfilled the law perfectly. And then the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin, so you and I and all who believe can become the righteousness of God that's in Christ. 
That's so good. The Bible says that the, that God the Father was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Now that sounds a little bit different than the pictures that we get in the Old Testament when we read about God killing people. And, it, and like, if you've ever wondered why the Old Testament is a lot different than the New Testament, why was God this cranky old man in the Old Testament that didn't, that was like, it's almost like he was so excited to kill people. And then in the New Testament, it's like, wait, if Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, which it says that in the, in the scripture, if that's true, and Jesus stopped the crowd from, from stoning an adulterer, a woman that was caught in the act of adultery, like, we're like, Jesus, did you forget about the God that you serve? Like, did you forget you're, you're, uh, you're acting a little different than him. You know why? Why was Jesus willing to stop this, um, stop the adulterous woman from being stoned? Have you ever thought about that? Why, when in the Old Testament, was it okay if Elijah calls down fire from heaven? But when John and Peter wanted to call down fire from heaven in the New Testament, Jesus turns to them and he says, you don't know which heart, you're act- which heart you are of. Basically, he, he's like, you guys don't realize you're not acting out of the heart of God. You're acting out of the heart of the devil. That's so interesting. You ever wonder, like, why is the Lord different in the Old Testament versus the New Testament? That's why. It's because he was bound by his word in the Old Testament that he had to fulfill what he, was, what he had promised until Christ came, removed the covenant. And then he established a new one. And not just that, he like the new one is better with better promises. Let me read you something. In the Old Testament, this is the uh, Exodus 34.7. Uh, God says, I'm going to visit your sins to the third and the fourth generations. He says, I'm going to visit your sins. Meaning, if you sin, I'm not just going to punish you. I'm going to punish you, your children, your children's children, all the way to the third and the fourth generations. Does that sound like the heart of God? Well, I hope not. (laughs) You know, I hope that's not the heart of God. And it's and I, I praise the Lord. I know for a fact it's not because why under grace, under the new covenant, this is Hebrews chapter eight, verse 12. He says this. He says, I'm going to be merciful to their unrighteousness, and then their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Interesting. What? How do you go from, I'm going to punish three to four different generations to, you know what? I'm not even going to remember their sins. I'm not going to remember their unrighteousness or their lawless deeds. I'm going to forget all of it. What's the difference? Well, the pivotal point of the world. When Jesus hung on that cross, he died and he resurrected. He got he removed the law. And now we are under grace. And in, in, uh, I'm going to share this with you real quick. In the, Joseph Prince's book, Grace Revolution, he has a table where he, he distinguishes a couple difference between the law and grace. And I'm going gonna, and I'm gonna to read a, a couple of them to you just because like these are so good. And I really want, like my heart for everybody is that we could understand the heart of God, that we wouldn't have to doubt, you know, uh, doubt his character. We wouldn't have to be afraid of him. 
Because if you're afraid of him, you're never going to spend time with him. You're not going to read his word. You're not going to pray. Because why would you? If you're afraid that he's going to kill you, you're probably going to run away from him. But I want you to understand that's not his heart. That's not who he is as a God. And he loves you more than you could imagine. All right. So under the law, I'm going to read these to you. Under law, the law was given impersonally through Moses, a servant or slave of God. Under grace, grace came personally through Jesus, the Son of God. You know, as I was listening, I was thinking about this. If I plant an apple seed into the ground, I'm going to get an apple tree. But if I plant an orange seed into the ground, I'm going to get an orange tree. So every seed that I plant is going to bear fruit according to each seed's, like according to its kind. So here's what's interesting. The law was given through Moses, who was a servant or a slave. But grace was brought by Jesus, who is the Son of God. And so if each seed bears fruit of its particular kind, then does it make sense that under the law, Moses was making people slaves to God? But under grace, Jesus was making us sons of God? I just thought that that was very interesting. I loved it. Here's something interesting. Slaves, they work their tail off and they get zero inheritance from the father. So under the law, you can perform, work your hardest, do all these things. But guess what? You're not going to get a dime. Why? Because you're a slave. Doesn't matter how hard you work or not. That's the problem with the law. As we get so accustomed to, to work and work and work, and we think that that makes God happy and that some, then that's what's going to reward us. The problem is you never get anything because you're, you're working for something that isn't earned. It's only gifted. But grace through Jesus, the, Jesus causes us to be sons. Sons get the inheritance from the Father. And they don't have to do anything. That's awesome. That is wonderful news. So law, you were a slave. It was given impersonally, meaning not not as like a, not intimately. It was just given or brought, given through Moses. But grace came personally through Jesus. Another one, law reveals what man ought to be. But grace reveals who God is. The law results in miracles of death. I'm not going to talk a lot about them, but there are crazy miracles in the Old Testament of people dying, like profound miracles. However, in the New Testament, we have miracles of life, miracles of healings, miracles of resurrections. All right. The law, the Bible says the, the letter of the law kills, but it says that the spirit of grace gives life. So the law, all it did was do one thing, killed people. However, through grace, grace all that the, all grace does is give life. The law demands righteousness from incapable men, meaning demands something that man can never, demands what man could never give in the first place. However, grace provides righteousness as a gift to man. 
Under the law, sins were remembered and punished, but under grace, sins are forgiven and remembered no more. Under the law, blessings and curses are, yeah, dispenses blessings and curses, but under grace, dispenses only blessings. Well, how do we know that? Well, the Bible says in Galatians 3 that, that the curse of the law was removed, that because Jesus became a curse for us. So if, if the curses of the law are removed, What's left? Well, if you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, there's two parts of the law. There's the curses and then there's the blessings. And if God took away the curses, now what's left? Blessings. So under grace, only dispense are dispenses only blessings. Under the law, you are justified by your works. Under grace, you are justified by faith. Completely different. Two completely different covenants. You have the law, and then you have grace. You have the performance plan, and then you have the rest The rest plan. <laughs> so, right now, I'm going to jump to Galatians chapter 3, because, oh my goodness, there are so many nuggets. And I was reading this, like, over and over and over again, and it was so good. I'm going to read first Galatians 3, 5. I'm honestly going to read a lot of verses from Galatians 3 because like, it's just so good and so thick. And thank God for his word. Amen. <laughs> uh, Galatians 3, 5. Read it. Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and he works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? If you're like me and you grew up in churches that that really emphasize what, what I have to do for God. How do, I, how do I move God? How do I get him to do what I want him to do? Basically putting him in the debt. Basically like saying, I'm doing this, God, so now you have to do that. I showed you how much faith I have here. So now you have to give me whatever it is that I want. You know, I sold my Toyota, so now I have to reap a Lamborghini because, um, because I did, I did a good thing, so now I have to get a good thing. If you're like me, and you grew up like this, or you, you heard preaching like that, like, I need you to understand that that is so completely different. And, like, just backwards. That bass is backwards. Sorry, funny joke. If, if you're like me, you've heard that. But that's not the case under the New Covenant. God's, God's heart is not to, um, like for you, he does not want you to put him in debt to you. <laughs> Meaning like you think God owes you something because of you doing something. But on Galatians five, Paul writing to the church of Galatia, which this whole letter is, is basically, um, this letter is so phenomenal. He, he's counter countering i guess the the teachings that you have to still fulfill the law even though now you're under grace and even though now you're under the way of faith but paul wrote this whole letter to the church in galatia because they were missing it and they were putting themselves back under the law but this i was actually just reading this right now if righteousness comes through the law then christ died in vain that's a big statement. If righteousness was able to come to the law, then Jesus died for nothing. And if Jesus died for nothing and that was God's plan, like he's a terrible father, just putting it out there. 
But there was a reason Christ died. He did not die in vain. He died because that was the only way for us to receive righteousness. Righteousness only is by, is by grace through faith. It is not through the law. And so back to Galatians 3 verse 5, we have to understand that we receive the Spirit of God and we receive miracles, whether that be gifts of healing, whether that be prosperity, anything from God. It all comes not by the works of the law, but by the hearing of faith. It says, just as Abraham believed God and then it was accounted to him for righteousness, so is it the same for us. Jumping down, Galatians 3.10. As many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. I was talking about this earlier. In Deuteronomy 28, we have a list of the blessings from the law and the curses of the law. That if you, if you do all of these things written in the book of the law, then it lists all these things that, that will be rewarded to you. But it says, but if, if you disobey the commands that were written in the law, then it says these curses will come upon you. So if you're under the law, guess what? You're not going to fulfill it. There's actually a verse, I think it's in chapter 4. He says, all of, those, all of you guys who are trying to live according to the law, have you ever read it? Like, do you, do you even know all 10 of the commandments? Have you memorized them? Do you know the 660-something um, laws in the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy? Have you read them? Do you actually, like, know them, meditate on them? Paul says this as, like, not necessarily as a rhetorical question, but he goes, the, the law is asking for a lot more than, you're, like, than you realize. And so you trying to put this church back under the law you like you you yourself you don't even read the law you don't even know what it is saying what all entails to it that's what he's saying and i, I love that verse so much but 310 galatians 310 all who are trying to be right through the law are under a curse for it is written Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Dang. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things. And I talk, I talk to people that, well, what about sin? Or you have to preach, you know, the Ten Commandments. I was like, okay. What about the laws about gluttony? Because I can see you're pretty overweight. I was like, so just because you, you struggle with one of the laws that, that didn't have, like that wasn't the... The first ten commandments, I was like, if, so you don't, you're not struggling with those, but, but you're a glutton. Um, and Jesus was like verbally abused by Pharisees. They were constantly calling him a, a drunkard and a glutton. I was like, so um, should we just, you know, highlight with a sharpie the whole glutton part or the whole drunkard part? I was like, or if you've ever lied, you've never lied in your life. Or like you, you perform perfectly even to this day. You you don't wear a, a tunic with uh, polyester and wool blend. Like you don't do any of that. You don't have tattoos. None of that. I find it so interesting. Like that we we're uh, we're almost so trained to own like to only preach the ten. We forget about the six hundred something. And, and it's, it's like a subtle form of pride that because 
oh, but but I'm good with all of those. Um, it's like just something we one we have to be careful of, but two, like the the law was never given to us to actually fulfill. It was given to us to humble us. The Bible says that the the law was only until Christ. But now that Christ is here, the law like disappears. The law goes away. I'm going to find that real quick in Galatians. Galatians 3, the end of Galatians 3. It says, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Let me read that again. The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith came, we are no longer under a tutor. What's the tutor? The law. What did the tutor do? Bring us to Christ. So the law was supposed to bring us to Christ by showing us that we couldn't fulfill it. We couldn't do it in our own strength. The performance plan, we failed. <laughs> and so that was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we would be that way we could be justified not by behavior, but by faith. Faith in what? Jesus. And then after faith, which we are, it's after faith has come, now we're no longer under a tutor. So you're not under the law anymore. The law is gone. Jesus did away with it. He fulfilled it and set it aside. Galatians 3.12. I'm going to read this one in the NLT because I just, like, I don't read very many scriptures in the NLT um, unless I just need something really broken down for me. (laughs) But Galatians 3.12 NLT, this says, This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says, It is through obeying the law that a person has life. So it says this way of faith is different from the way of law. For it says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. Now, if you read the Old Testament, whether it be Proverbs, whether it be Psalms, like there are verses that say, if you meditate on the book of the law day and night, then you will prosper. Or like the wise shall dwell are, um, are keep their minds on the book of the law. But you have to understand that that was a different way. That was God's old way the old, and under the old covenant. That was an old instruction. That's not something that is for us today. And that's showing you right here, Galatians 3.12, because the way of faith is different, very different from the way of law, which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. All right. That was the old way. Now you receive life by believing in Jesus. Moving on. Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ has rescued us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it says, anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. Christ became the curse in order to put an end to the curse of the law. Does that make sense? Galatians 2.20, I've never understood this this verse. It just seems like it appears out of nowhere where Paul says, For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. 
I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So he's saying, because Christ died to the law, and I was in Christ, therefore I died to the law. Then he's saying, now because I'm, I've, my old self is dead, now I can live for God. Paul recognized that the curse was gone and that he was dead. His old self was dead then to the law with no obligation to fulfill it. Because why? Because Christ did. And so if Paul, in his mind, in Galatians 2.20, was, or, was through, or Galatians 2.19, he says, I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. If Paul thought that, then then what? Did, like, why should we think any differently? Shouldn't we also be dead to the law that we might live to God? Because if 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 we were in Christ and Christ died to the law, then we did too. And if He's already fulfilled it, then why would we need to fulfill it again? We don't. It's already been fulfilled. And I know I'm being very repetitive, but there there's a reason for it. It's because like. We, we, we have for thousands of, I was saying this before, for thousands of years, we've been hearing the same thing over and over. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. However, the new covenant, that's not the same way. It's as hard as it is to hear. Do bad, get good. Do good, get good. Why? Through believing in Jesus. Because Jesus performed perfectly on our behalf. And so we can receive everything through what he's already done. Galatians 2, verse 19. I'm reading this one in the NLT too, just because it's super good. NLT for the win. I was told never to read the NLT. (laughs) So obviously that didn't last very long. Uh, And anyway, back to Galatians 2, 19. Paul says, for when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My paraphrase. Paul says, I tried to live for the law. It condemned me, so I quit. (laughs) I find it very interesting in this verse. Paul says, "I, I stopped trying to meet all the requirements of the law. Why? So that I might live for God. Right there, if Paul the Apostle, if he wasn't able to live for God by obeying the law, that should tell us enough right there. Like, let's just just stop. (laughs) Stop trying to obey the law. Stop trying to fulfill all Ten Commandments and then all 666 laws or however many there is. And just trust in the Lord. Because let me tell you, all of you listeners, like, there is so much freedom in just living for God, but not, not thinking that living for God means obeying the law. Because if you're constantly focused on the law, you're going to be powerless. But if you focus on the Lord, you focus on what Jesus has already done and that his spirit lives in you. Let me tell you something. You'll live righteous. You'll live as a son of God without having those instructions telling you what to do. 
If I'm a dog, I would bark. That's my nature. But if I, you know what I mean? If I'm a pig, I'm going to love mud. I don't need somebody to tell me to bark. I wouldn't need somebody to tell me to go to the mud. Like that's my instinct. And so in the same way, under the new covenant, we've been made new creations. So we, we don't, uh, I guess, quote unquote, behave. We don't behave by somebody telling us what to do. We behave because we know who we are. Under the law, when you, before you were born again, under the law, all it did was tell you what to do. Good things that you could do, but you were never rewarded. All you were was punished. People were, people were killed. However, now under grace, now you know who you are. Having somebody telling you or something telling you what to do can actually make you miss like, how do I explain this? If you ever heard somebody say, don't do this, don't do this, and then everything in you makes you want to do that. Like if I tell you, don't think of an orange, don't think of an orange as hard as you can, don't think of an orange. The more I say that, the more you think of an orange. But rather, if I just tell you, hey, think of an apple from now on. It's easy. Just think of an apple. And so the law was was telling you what what not to do because you weren't born again but now that you're born again that same law can actually hinder you from from living like Christ and it can actually take you away from the father it can steer your eyes rather than you you being in communion with God it can bring condemnation it make you feel guilty and feel shameful. And then now you're separated from God, which is the opposite of what Jesus did. He, he died so that God would reconcile the world unto himself, not so that you could have better instructions to live by and still feel guilty and shameful and full of condemnation. That was the old covenant. New covenant, your sins, your lawless deeds, they'll remember no more. Now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away. The whole, All things have become new. That Jesus became sin who knew no sin. That you would become the righteousness of God in him. And so if you rest in the work of Jesus, the finished work, you understand. Like, don't take, or how do I say this? Don't think that you have to do anything else because in a sense, that's saying that what Jesus did wasn't already enough. That's saying that the blood of Jesus wasn't good enough. So now you have to do something. Like I have to pray for a hundred hours before the Lord heals my back. It's like, wait, were the stripes of Jesus not enough? Did those not do enough for you? Or I have to, because I sinned, now I have to go put $100 in the plate, the offering plate, to make up for that sin. It's like, was, was the blood not enough? Did it, does it not blot that out? I hear, I've heard some of the craziest things. But praise God for the scripture and that he's opened our eyes. And, you know, we're, we're preaching the good news of Jesus, not the good instructions, but the good news 
the things that have already been done because that's what truly sets people free. That's what truly brings people to Jesus to, to the point where they fall in love with their creator rather than being scared of him. And I thank you all for listening today. I, and I, I, I mean, I pray that this opens your eyes and, you know, gave some understanding, understanding the heart of God. These, these covenants, understanding like who God is and you see his behavior not lining up with his heart in the Old Testament. And now you can understand that it's because he's faithful and he has to fulfill his word. And his word was rewarding good behavior, punishing bad behavior. But now in the new covenant, you see the grace of God, unmerited favor, this, the woman caught in adultery. Jesus quit, like wouldn't let the people stone her and protected her and was on her side against the religious people. That stuff will set you free. That will set everybody free. That doesn't just, you know, the grace has a reputation of causing more sin. But the Bible says sin does not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're under grace and not the law. The Bible says that the strength of sin is the law. And so the only way to remove the strength of sin is to remove the law, which Jesus paid us very, very high price to do. And so that now me and you can live free and we can live like Christ. And the Father sees us as holy, as blameless, as free. And we don't have to be afraid of God, but we can get close to him and we can commune with him. So I hope you got a lot out of this episode. I want to thank you all for tuning in and I'll be with you next time. Catch you later. Hey guys, we want to thank you for tuning in. We pray that this quickened your heart. If you'd like to give a one time or become a monthly partner, visit our website and hit that give now button up at the top. We thank you in advance and pray that you continue to receive everything God has already given you by grace through faith.